You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. I am Nick Fairbaugh. I write for Pittsburgh Sports Network at WPTS Radio Station, and I am an ACC Network production assistant. Folks, what a night for pit football. I am recording this after the game. We're going to talk all the things about what happened in UNC, the good, the bad, the unbelievable, all of that. What a game this was. We're going to talk about it fully in depth. I'm going to give my thoughts. Let's go on Locked on Pit. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day. This episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. As our friends over at McDonald's say, I'm loving it. Folks, what a game. What a game Pit is coming off of here. An absolute non-barn burner of what we thought was going to be a barn burner for what it's worth. I have no emotion other than pure craziness, pure excitement. Everything about that game was euphoria. Uh, That's all I can say. You know, I was in the booth tonight for WPTS calling that game with my good friend, great commentator, Alex Randall. Check him out on Twitter at AlexRandall412. Unbelievable game. We were in there. We had goosebumps. Everything was going crazy. What a game. What a game. I mean, I just wanted to start out this this episode just talking about kind of the overall, you know, feel of that game. Even there, you could just feel this game was special. It had that special feel to it. It had a big game feel to it. And I, I, I take that feeling with a very big, hefty weight. Because, listen, I've known Pitt. I've been a Pitt fan for a while now. I've been a Pitt fan my whole life. And here's the thing. Pitt, at its root, is is a team that has always inconsistently not been the big team. They've not been the big dog. And that's year they kind of are a big dog. And you can feel it. The national relevance. You can feel the big feel of the game. Like, this game had legit implications. If Pitt loses this game, the Coastal's out of their hands. No, no, it's not now. Like, you feel the implications. It feels good to have a football team that's legitimately relevant. And I think that's the biggest thing here, is that Pitt is legitimately relevant in the ACC, in the picture nationally. They're ranked. They're 21st in the college football playoff rankings. Everything about it is beautiful. And that's just one thing. I wanted to highlight the fact that there was that euphoria, that there was the ability to get goosebumps, that you actually had the nationally relevant feel. I love that fact. And that's something that I have to appreciate for this year because who knows when we'll get this back again. Right now, it's got the makings of having a special season. And trust me, that Virginia game is going to be a huge game for Pitt next Saturday. But Pitt overall, let's talk about this game. Man, Talk about breaking the trends. We talked about the trends 
all week. And Pitt, in this game, I mean, this game kind of broke every trend, right? They came out starting fast. That was cool. That was really their first fast, fast start, I feel like, since Georgia Tech. And I was very excited to see the fast start for Pitt. You know, when it was 17-0, I was like, perfect. This is exactly what Pitt should be doing. This is the type of stuff they should be doing at a high level. Here's the thing. <laughs> and I I mean, the takeaways from this game positively are, has to be the defense, right? Like, just looking at it. Like, the defense, I get it. In the second half, they let up 16 points. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. I thought their blitzes got jumbled in the second half. I thought that they didn't play at a super high level. I thought they broke uh, rush lane contain a little bit more. Sam Howell, you know, they were crashing on the inside a little bit too hard and allowed Sam Howell to escape out the back door. You know, stuff like that, right? Like, there's stuff like that to where you look at that and you say, okay, that's a bit of an issue because, listen, the, the, the biggest thing is for... Them to can have contained him, they needed to make sure that they kept him in the pocket. And they did that really well in the first half, right? When they got their five sacks, when they got after him, they did that extremely well. And then, in the second half, I don't want to say they did a terrible job. I don't think they did that by any means. But he did run for a lot more yards, um, just out of scrambling. I mean, the, the quarterback designed runs weren't an issue. They had a few really key stops. The defense stuck up big time in this game. The Phil Campbell fourth down stop, they they had a few really huge fourth down stops. They had the 0 for 4 was North Carolina on fourth down. They were 0 for 4. Obviously, that includes the MG Devonshire pick, the Phil Campbell stop. It was something that they just never seemed to collect. And, and it always seemed like when you looked at that, it wasn't going completely there. Now, even with the sacks taken out, North Carolina only ran for 118 yards. And and that's always a good thing to see. Pitt with five sacks on the day. But Howe did escape the pocket a little bit more. Finished, though, with about 59 yards rushing total, um, just in terms of gains and a touchdown, obviously, as well to go with that. But it wasn't a great game. They held him to a season-low 28 rushing yards. I thought that was a huge step forward for Pitt's defense. That was huge. They kept Ty Chandler in check. 14 carries, 42 yards. DJ Jones had 7 for 18. It was not a great game. Overall, if you take out the sacks, it was about 33 rushes for 116 yards, which is only 3.6 per carry. Not a bad game for the Pitt rush defense at all. But again, that second half, there were things that happened that I think just killed him, and I thought that really the blitzing schemes weren't, it's not that they weren't good, I thought that they lost rush lane integrity, they got a little bit too excited, and I thought started crashing the lanes a little bit too hard, and they also, I thought, were a little less physical than they should have been, I thought that there were times where they could have really had the advantage there, and could have beaten their guy, and, and Howe was just able to sit back there, you know, with a slide protections, with, with max protect, with keeping in the tight end and, and kind of hiding him and disguising him as a sniffer and using them differently, using the tight end as a chip and, and, and getting the running back in there is keeping six, seven guys in there and letting the routes develop down the field and targeting their talented playmakers. I thought that they were able to find some success there. But I do want to highlight 
the defense overall and, and kind of this performance from them. However, first, folks, I am going to let you know this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, and they are proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty or affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come and reconnect. It's a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Man, win or lose, whether you want to stop, refuel, reconnect, whatever you want to do, McDonald's is the place to go. If you are heading down to Morgantown tomorrow for the pit, WVU game, if you really are going down there to see Press Virginia against this Pitt men's basketball team, make sure to stop at McDonald's while you're going down there to go get something to eat. Because McDonald's has always been more than just tasty affordable food. They have that. It's also where the community can come together. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Hope you guys are feeling as hyped as the Pitt players are in the locker room after that game. Folks, Pitt, wow. I mean, I, I mean, let's talk about that Pitt defense, the positives to come from it. But, you know, we talked a little bit about the negatives. I thought that the explosive plays, the first one they gave up was just Demari Mathis falling on his butt. I mean, that's one of those plays where you're like, okay, that just happens. They, the other one how got beat on a, on a sluggo. Okay, that's happened more than enough times this season. You know, I thought in the passing game, for the most part, they did a solid job, at least, of defending the RPO. But I did think that eventually they kind of cracked the code. UNC did to a degree with those quick, uh, those quick like you know, quick hitches and and a very very quick slants and and a few things there where they started to also max protect keep. The guys in, and it kind of opened up the sideline a little bit on those comeback routes and, and all that. And, and I think that's more importantly the thing to take away from that. They did start to find something, but I want to talk about the positives for us. And I, I think that when you look at what Pitt did on the day, I think they tackled extremely well. I mean, just much, much better than I thought they would. And that's the thing here is Pitt did a much better job tackling than I thought they would in this game. It was night and day from the Miami game. You know, they tried those now routes that Pat Neruzzi talks about. They they tried those quick little running back swing routes. And everything that really happened, Pitt did a very nice job of wrapping up, making the tackle, and not letting guys get loose. And that was especially true with Sam Howe. And I think that was the key for Pitt's success defensively was they tackled extremely well. They kept things in front of them. I think that also was very good for Pitt. They kept the things that they needed to keep in front of them. And they played at a high level because they played disciplined football. And you looked defensively and you said, okay, this team, yeah, they didn't play completely perfectly down the stretch. They allowed a few explosive plays here and there, specifically the Josh Downs play and the Antoine Green play. And, and that was a little bit, you know, inconspicuous and it, it in the rush lane integrity. Yeah, that got a little bit sloppy. You know, go to, to the drawing board. You know, how can you crack max protect? Maybe you gotta switch up the rush lane integrity. And I thought Pitt didn't really understand 
what they were doing with their blitzes. They blitzed a lot of guys. It just felt like nothing was ever cohesive in the second half, really, until they got to overtime. That's when it started to feel a little bit more cohesive and like a unit. But before that, you know, in that second half, Pitt's blitzes felt like they were just throwing things at the wall and praying that they would stick. And that's the thing that you didn't want to see coming out of halftime. And it, again, it wasn't that the defense played really bad in the second half. I mean, I'll take 16 points in, in the second half. It is what it is. I don't think they played bad, but there were things that absolutely could have been improved upon. I thought the blitzes were something, and I thought the D-line kind of just played a little lackluster in that second half. Didn't completely go into their toolbox. They, they In the expansive toolbox, we know they have. Those players could do other things. I didn't think the linebackers were coming with the same intensity. I thought the DBs played well, and they tackled well, which is why it never got ugly, which is the important thing. They tackled much, much better um, throughout the entire game, and it never really wavered. But the thing was, Pitt, still, you got to work on it a little bit. Overall, though, Sarasia Dennis with a great game. I thought the linebackers played really well. Phil Campbell had a nice game. I thought uh, Cam Bright played well as well. Brandon George had a few nice plays here and there. Sarasia Dennis, though, three tackles for loss, just flying in there, playing with his hair on fire. Baldonado has a nice game. You know, it was a good game for Brandon Hill. I thought Devin Danielson had a few nice run stops. On a personnel level, I thought the linebackers played really well in the first half. I thought that was the best the linebacking core has played as a unit this year. In the second half, again, I think they were part of the downfall a little bit. Lackluster on the blitzing. Just kind of not knowing what to do. Not beating their running backs. Not understanding how to crack the max protect. I did think it was a little bit lackluster. Um, here is the thing. When you look, though, at someone... Defensively, in this game, usually for Pitt, you can usually say it was a good thing, and and they played at a, at a decent level. I will say the coaching. Uh, now I'm not talking about the defense specifically, but I want to talk about the coaching in this game, on offense and Pat Narduzzi. And this was one of my things. I want I didn't want to get off the defense, but the defense played well. I thought that this was one of their best games of the year, perhaps the best, maybe behind Georgia Tech. It's up to you. Um, I'm I'm throwing out like UMass and. New Hampshire. We're not talking about those games, but this is a good game for the defense against a really good offense. When you look, you know, comparing it to level of competition and what teams have done in the past, this might be their best performance. Um, really solid performance. They stepped up when Pitt needed them, consistently picked up an offense that really struggled. Like, un like I did not see that coming. The offense struggling. 30-23 to is the final score. It was surprising. I predicted 35-31, but not because it looked like this. I predicted it because Pitt was able to just grind the clock out. I mean, that's more so that. This was not a shootout in any manner. And I thought, though, I, and I do want to talk about that coaching, I thought specifically Pat Narduzzi, his clock management was abysmal at the end. You know, I get it on the third and six that Ty Chandler ends up running for 14 yards, gets to the two-yard line. But what are you doing? I mean... Ty Chandler gets the first down, yeah, but you let, like, 30 seconds run off the clock by not taking a timeout there. You have to take a timeout there if you're Pat Narduzzi. Take the timeout. I, it ended up working out, but, man, that's not good process. And, again, I'm not looking at, you know, okay, these are the results. No, I want process. I'll also say this. 
the fourth and two where they get with a garden field goal is blocked. I understand the thought process. Okay, you make it a three score game. It makes sense, right? Naturally, you make it twenty six to seven. Okay, I get it. Here's the issue: on fourth and three and shorter, you are nine of nine on the year converting. You are perfect in converting. Just trust Pickett, trust who, trust Izzy, whatever. Just go for it. Go for it. You've played at a high level and at a high enough level to know that you can do that. I mean, go for it. Scarton does not have the leg to kick a 53-yard field goal. No, no, he's never had that leg, especially with the wind coming at his face. I don't know what that was. I thought that was a weird decision. I thought the coaching that the coaching decisions Narduzzi made and the clock management were certainly suspect. And trust me, I have more for Mark Whipple from where that came from. We'll spend this whole last segment talking about the offense, a really stagnant offense. I think there were causes for it. I think that there were clear causes. I don't know if any of them are true causes in the future. I think it was a weird game where they all kind of were on a short week and got thrown out of sync. I'll say that. But first, folks, I want to let you know about BetOnline.ag. They're back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and time than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. Again, it's the promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Folks, have you tried Built Bar yet? I'm telling you, you need to try Built Bar because it's the best tasting protein bar you'll ever have. Listen, every time I have a protein bar, it's waxy, it's chalky, it's awful and you just choke it down and you know you have to because of the health benefits and if you want to get healthy protein is huge for that right but listen you don't have to do that anymore because built bar is delicious and healthy at the same time they got so many different flavors they got coconut raspberry mint brownie coconut almond salted caramel double chocolate and cherry barcia and guess what this month built is coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days so check their website often i know you don't want to miss out on that and again you get those health benefits so it's low carb low calorie low fat low sugar and high in protein so all the health healthy benefits on top of the flavor you get all of that just go to built.com use our promo code lock 15 again that's our promo code lock 15 and get 50 percent off on your order just use our promo code lock 15 for 50 percent off at built.com Folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Let's talk about this offense, a offensive performance I never would have seen coming. You know, when we talked about the Miami game, I said that was going to be Pitt's bad offensive day. <laughs> My bad. This is was their bad offensive day. I mean, really, a pretty bad performance by this offense outside of that first quarter. Um, just not great for the offense. I mean, listen, there were a few things that went into this, and I'll say this. I think red zone efficiency, first of all, the first drive of the game, not converting that into points, not great. You know, Pitt's red zone offense the past three weeks has taken a step back from where they were early in the year. Again, only a 56% completion percentage today. That's the season low for Pitt. I mean, that's crazy enough. 
you just kind of look. No team has really been able to stop this team until now. And it's something that I find very interesting. You know, Pitt was 9 of 17 on third down. Their average distance, though, on third down, 8.1 yards. And here's the thing. They were 6 of 9 on third and shorts. 1 of 6 on third and longs. And that's something that you look at and you say, boy, we got to get better at. That's something you look at. And Pitt had 10 big plays in this game overall. Those are plays with 15-plus more yards. But Pitt was was 3 of 11 on 15-plus yard throws today. That's a season low as well for Pitt. Just just things that are uncharacteristic of Pitt that, that showed up today. And you were like, really? That stuff was showing up. You know, Pickett, I thought I thought Pickett was fine today. I thought he played at a high level. You know, I didn't think it was Kenny Pickett's fault that the offense stalled in the second half. And the second half was very, very different. Let's take second half and overtime together. Seven points, 104 yards, two rush yards total, only, you know, 10 rushing attempts. Izzy Abani Kanda, only two, uh, only one rush there um, in the second half. Like, come on, right? I mean, seriously, come on. Like, are we being serious here with that? One rush in the fourth quarter, none in the fourth, one rush in overtime. Why go away from Israel Abani Kanda? I don't get that. That's happened before, too, where Izzy just doesn't get touches in the second half. I will never understand it. They need to use Izzy more at a high level. The guy had a good game. He was running the ball well. 5.3 yards per carry. Are you kidding me? Why did you not run Izzy more? It made no sense to me why Israel Abanikanda was not more involved in the game plan today, especially in the second half when they were stalling and needed a spark and they were getting a ton of too high shells. Why not just run the football with Izzy? It made no sense to me. I thought that was a weird part of the game plan for Mark Whipple. The weird just reliance on the passing game when you didn't need it. You know, I'm not going to say like they're... I think Pitt's a better passing team than rushing team, obviously. Any smart person would say that. And Jordan Addison, Lucas Carl, Jared Wayne had nice games. So did Gavin Bartholomew. But let's talk about this. Why in the world are they not running the football a little more? Like, what about they averaged 4.7 yards a carry? It was pretty solid. I mean, they were getting good runs. They could run the football against this team. That's the thing about Mark Whipple. Why do you just go away from the run so much? It's okay to run the football. I love passing the football. But when you're up 23-7... to you do not need to throw the football like you're down 23-7. It's okay to run the football. Now, listen, what caused it? I think there were a few things. One, I think that the loss of Gabe Hoy and then Cradle getting hurt, it kind of caught up to them a little bit in the passing game. They allowed a little bit of pressure. I think Zubovich and Drexel didn't completely feel each other. I don't think Gonsalves and Zubovich felt each other completely either. The left side was pretty solid. The right side let a few things go. I think they'll get better as long as the guys kind of get better. But it is key to note that I think that Zubovich and Gonzalez didn't really appear comfortable together. They didn't have great chemistry. I thought they played solid, but there was a little bit of pressure. Two, I thought Kenny Pickett at times was a little bit too eager to escape the pocket. 
Uh, you know, there were a few times where UNC got in there for sacks, and I thought that Kenny could have stayed in there. I thought he created pressure for himself at times. Uh, I thought he could have stayed in the pocket a little longer. You know, he, he's a little too quick to bail in my eyes at times. You know, sometimes it has magic. Sometimes it is drive-killing. Um, other things, penalties. Um, the Marcus Minor penalty was bad. A false start was bad. You know, there were a few key penalties in this game where Pitt kind of killed themselves um, a little bit in that regard, too. Penalties didn't help. Um, I, I also think there were a few drops uh, in, on the game. Kroll had one. Addison had two. Um, Wayne had one on a, on a nice picket out of structure throw. You know, th there were a few game plays where you were like, just catch the ball, man. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I think that they didn't help him out. I thought Kenny underthrew some guys a little bit in that second half as well. Um, I, I didn't think the second half was his sharpest point uh, this season. I also don't think he was anywhere near the problem. But I do think there was kind of parts to go around. I think the offense coordinator as well. Just going away from the run with Mark. I don't get that from Mark Whipple. Only gives, giving a bandy can to one carry in the second half and then one in overtime. It made literally no sense to me why that would happen. Um, and, and essentially, UNC controlled the ball the entire second half. So, you know, the, the offense... There were things that showed up. I don't think any of them are overly concerning. Um, I, I don't think it was like, oh my goodness, the receivers can't separate. I thought they were getting open. I thought there were open receivers. I thought there were a ton of factors, though, that contributed them to not hit those open receivers and not play at the level usually that they are. It was a little bit sloppier for Pitt today offensively. But overall, listen, great performance. And, and when they had been stopped, they come through in overtime Kenny Pickett hits Lucas Kroll on a really nice timing around on that slant. And I thought that was a really nice call as well. And and they do what they needed to do. So Pitt coming up big. Had a really good first quarter. I think they'll be back on track next week at Virginia. And we'll be expecting when we should be expecting to see Pitt and Kenny Pickett humming like it is nothing. I think this was a little bit of an off day for them. Short week. I think on a longer week, they'll feel good about themselves and really play at a high level. All right, folks, listen, before we get out of here, I want to let you guys know about the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Make sure to go check that out. Free and available on all platforms. The Locked On Bets podcast. Make yourself some money over there. All right, folks, thanks for listening. It's a great win for Pitt here on this Thursday night. Go. This will go up Friday, though. But great win for Pitt against North Carolina. We'll talk about it more next week. As always, hail to Pitt.